Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. So what I'd like to do, start working our way through the sort of the the life of Jeffrey Epstein and also look at how Bill Barr sort of intersects because there's a bunch of intersections. Um, and the first interesting thing that I noticed is that in 1972 and 1973, Bill Barr is at the CIA during his Columbia summers. He's interning there um, and doing what interns, I guess, do. Uh, and then in 1974, he joins the CIA full time. Not exactly the same time, Epstein shows up at the Dalton School, which is where Bill Barr's father, who's a former spy himself, is the principal. It seems to me that those two things are kind of incredible. You've got a Bill Barr working at the CIA. You've got his father, a former uh, OSS guy. Uh, and, and, and here's uh, Epstein, who we know later on becomes a spy for Israel and MI6. Do any of you have any thoughts about how um, coincidental that is? to have those things happen all at exactly the same time. Well, well, it's not coincidental. This is a group of people in power, mm -hmm. in unusual power and unusual responsibility. So there's no coincidence here. Everybody had a distinct component of Jeffrey Epstein's life, and everybody yeah. shared in the responsibility with Jeffrey Epstein's life. So he was working as a math teacher um, as cover or as an assignment? Well, you would have to look at first his approach. He had to be trained to be a teacher because he had no skills and no form of training. He was a genius with math, and they thought that the Dalton School, he could get along with the students and that he could be an asset as a teacher. Mm -hmm. of the students in mathematics, which was a unique gift that Epstein did have. It was a benefit that he could share with many students in teaching that math course. So, yes, he did it. LB, not for a very short time. I know you had a theory about what these two, uh, how Epstein oh. got it. Oh, I don't know if that's for a podcast. Okay, we can do I, it. I always, no, it's okay. I'll say a little bit. I, I just always go to human behavior right? and just simple human behavior. Um, and I just have a hard time thinking maybe that, uh, I mean, maybe this whole big, huge, massive, um, you know, uh, uh, industrial scale rape for blackmail uh, and, and and personal sexual deviancies uh, scheme that he worked out with with Jillian was just kind of out of the blue or maybe this guy is, uh, is someone who knows a little bit about blackmail and I, I just I don't I just don't think people just invent a new behavior um, out of the blue um, so you think he was so, blackmailing uh, potentially someone at the school? I don't know. I'm thinking it's a very, it's a very big leap to go from being a a teacher and tutor um, at Dalton School, who's not even in there with any credentials 
whatsoever to all of a sudden being a junior partner at Bear Stearns and the rise that he had there and how fast that went. I I feel like someone picked up the phone and made a call um, and said, hey, you know, this guy's great. And I'm like, who would do that? And why would they do that? And how did I I feel like Jeffrey's the kind of he was it seems to me that he was the kind of person who was always leveraging other people in his climb um and so I have a side eye at that I don't you know I I I, want to keep this this conversation and this you're right that we're playing right now you're right you're totally right I don't want to go conspiratorial but I, I just feel like you know, here's a guy, he's with the kids, he's with the kids of all these powerful men all over, you know, in the United States, you know, senator sons and, and heads of Wall Street sons, and boy, what a what a place. And then you have Bill Barr's father, who writes these weird books, expressing his own weird fantasies of, I mean, you've got weird people. Mm. Um, and, and you've got a ripe scenario there with a lot of young people. And I just feel like Jeffrey Epstein... Um, probably leveraged his way into Bear Stearns. And it just seems like that's that's his pattern of behavior. Eric, go ahead. I have, I have an intelligence perspective here. I mean, just hearing about how much charisma Epstein had from this very young age, my experience, um, both with operatives and other human beings, is that there's a certain kind of magnetic ultra-efficient charm that very few human beings have. One major group is people who have been through very severe trauma, uh, sometimes adult children of alcoholics or other abusive situations where they were forced at a young age to be very charismatic to avoid getting hit or to get their daily needs met, and they have a natural ability to manipulate people um, that is not typical for most uh, people. The other crew there would be intelligence operatives and who've been trained. And so for somebody to be that natural at that is uh, is unusual. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because Bill Barr and Epstein show up in 1974 in their respective jobs, but they also show up at the same time as Watergate happens. And in fact, what Bill Barr lands up doing is he goes to this to Congress and he works as the CIA liaison uh, for Congress. So in other words, as they're rethinking what to do after Watergate, as they're doing the Church and Pike commissions to figure out how they're going to continue doing intelligence work after all of this has been discovered, uh, Bill Barr is the guy managing that discourse between the CIA and, uh, and Congress. Leaving aside Epstein there, it does seem like Bill Barr has a particularly large role in this transition from pre-Watergate CIA to post-Watergate CIA. Eric, do you have any thoughts on that? The whole thing makes me think that perhaps we've forgotten one of the key aspects of the Cold War, that I think if you'd asked people in the 1950s and 60s, even though it was covered up by the Red Scare and the House Committee on Un-American Activities, um, that the Cold War was not just America and Russia and maybe we might get nuked at any point. It was really about covert action all over the place and knowing that there was a subplot everywhere. And I think going back and looking at uh, the history of Russia and the Soviet Union, now that we understand just how effective it was for the Soviet Union to dissolve and to merge its underworld, its intelligence services, and its government to this new hybrid that, in fact, the West had 
very little ability to deal with in terms of uh, covert operations. And uh, we, we stupidly shut down a lot of counterintelligence uh, resources uh, in the West, and we, we found ourselves uh, getting pantsed. <laughs> and, uh, you know, going back to this period of time, you know, you go, all right, you know, how much is, is there to learn about that period where it was really rocky for the United States? And I've heard some people in the intelligence community talk about, yeah, we had some signals intelligence breaches in the very late 60s that may totally color how you see the 1970s as things get rocky. And so looking at that period of time, in addition to Epstein's very awesome uh, lapels and, you know, leisure suit and that's cool uh but that whole period uh, and you know you get the church and pike committees about intelligence operations that gives rise to the uh, i believe to the uh the the intelligence committees um in congress which most of us have forgotten until we have all these uh, reports and uh live testimonies this is seems like a really critical period for the intelligence world geopolitics and the you know when you think of Five years later, we've got finance in New York City changing really dramatically where uh, you have a quintupling of the amount of GDP in the United States created mm -hmm. from financial services and fees, in overtaking... Fact, sorry, you, in fact, you're, you're absolutely right. What happens in that post-Pike uh, and, 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 uh, and Church commissions is that they to discover a couple of things. Firstly, they discover that people like Adnan Khashoggi are making $183 million yes. in commissions uh, on all these arms yes. trades because they're, yes. you know... That was a lot in 75, right? It would have been a lot in 75. <laughs> it's a lot now. So 20, 30% on deals that, you know, it's unheard of today okay. for any of that. So here's, here's, the, here's the mob piece. Okay, mm -hmm. so here we get to come in with the mob piece. So this was also the time period that Adnan Khashoggi was the biggest whale in all of Las Vegas yeah. and in every mob-owned casino, uh, mostly at the Sands. He was really heavy in there. He was in with, uh, with the places that were specifically controlled by the outlet, which was most of it, uh, outfit, I'm sorry, which was most of Vegas. Um, and I, he even bought, Adnan Khashoggi in 1972, I found this little detail, he bought his first plane from Kirk Kikorian hmm. um, and a yacht. So you have to- Because it's gotta be a yacht. It's gotta be a yacht. The arms dealers, the biggest arms dealer in the world and his network of, of, of people, of tra this is trafficking, right? This is arms dealing is trafficking, it's operations, it's groundwork. You've got, you're not only having to clean money or hide money, or if it's on the surface, just have a deal, right? Have a, have a, right, have a casino, you can push it through, or here's some offshores, we'll push it through, or here's a financial uh, vehicle in Wall Street, we're gonna push this money through. But on the other side of that, you have logistics. You have arms that have to get from point A to point B. And inside of all of that is intelligence, mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's going where, who's doing what. You've got our arms. We don't want to show anything. There was, because of this, the Pike and Church commissions, what also happened right before Reagan, was a lot of these guys that were in intelligence, that were operational guys, they left. They were like, screw this. We're out. They didn't like Carter. They didn't like what was happening there. And they, be, they went into the private sector. And when Reagan came in, and it was now we're into the early 80s, right? And it was like, okay, we're going to come back in and, and, and be strong intelligence again and be, you know, this, you know, have that sort of build those institutions back up. 
there was actually quite a benefit to them to keep some of those guys who had left and gone private and gotten into this into these networks exactly where they were they needed airline companies that they airport you know small private airline companies that they could use to transport shit for covert cia ops this is this is the world this is what was actually happening in this big shift so you have an intersection between arms traffickers who are in bed with the mob and using on the ground uh mafia syndicates to help traffic shit those are your traffickers those are your logistics that's where you get stuff from point a to point b right and then you have financial vehicles many controlled by organized crime that you're going to push that money through to clean it right that's and new financial vehicles being created out of whole cloth so that that late 70s early 80s era leading right up into the iron contract everything was getting put into place so that that iran contra uh, deal between all those nations could could actually occur so you could actually move shit around so that you could actually hide the money so that you had the planes so that you so you had everything you needed so that is also important to look at that time period as a time of great sort of fusion and building to pull off something like iran contract right. and towers now, financial is one of those things that was very important to these bad players to the Khashoggi's to the don't Douglas jump ahead Reeves. yet there yet because we're going to get yes. there in a few minutes but Stephen okay. you knew Khashoggi I, have yes, a, I knew I had known Khashoggi well I did interact with him and he was very close to Jeffrey Epstein and he was an associate a colleague and a partner in many arms deals with Douglas Lease who was Jeffrey Epstein's CEO for many years. And the guy who introduced, introduced you. Because so Shoghi worked to me. for the guy that introduced you to Epstein. Yes, the man that introduced me to Epstein was a partner then with Adnan Khashoggi, who was entrenched in the arms trafficking business, just said by LB, and wanted me very desperately to hire Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, was he also an investor in Towers? He was a principal in Towers, oh. yes. He was a joint venturer in Towers Financial, yes. And didn't you tell and me once that he also worked for MI6? Sorry to interrupt you there. He, Douglas Lee's had an enormous say in Towers Financial, yes. And MI6? Was that a, a part at MI six? He was an asset hmm. of MI six. He received or he was knighted twice by the Queen. Hmm. Yes, that's really very major asset of MI six. That's interesting, also because of the connection with the royal family and and Epstein as well. Through Andrew. very interesting because of Maxwell and Ghislaine Maxwell and Douglas Lease, the royal family, Prince Andrew, and Jeffrey Epstein, and William Jefferson. Certainly expands the, the and, much bigger and Donald than Andrew. Trump. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is really fascinating. We're going to get back to more of that in a, in a minute. You know, in the 1976, uh, George Bush Sr. takes over the CIA. Now he's in charge of the CIA. You know who he reaches out to? 
he reaches out to Maxwell in order to get a back channel with the Soviets. He figures that this is a good time to do it. And of course, it's Senator John Tower who helps uh, make this thing happen. And suddenly George Bush is talking to Soviet counterparts thanks to uh, Robert Maxwell. Uh, this was quite a big development in this new post-Watergate uh, era. Uh, I don't know who wants to comment about this, but I think it's just an interesting thing that Bush and Maxwell were in contact. It was critical to the establishment of Maxwell spying. Mm -hmm. He was a major player in the spying universe offshore. And he was a very major player and partly responsible for helping bring down the Soviet Union because that is in fact what they were talking about, is how to engineer the fall of the Soviet Union. And Maxwell was good friends with Gorbachev and, and a couple of the KGB guys. He played yes, a very important role. Go ahead, LB. Oh, I just, yes, he was. And he was tasked mm -hmm. as well. Um, if you were to, to believe, you know, Ben Benashi, believe was one of the people to back this up but the maxwell biography if we're to lean into that and believe in that reporting of maxwell's uh relationship with the kgb and his communication with the kgb and there is specific accounting in that biography that maxwell was actually tasked with helping to um get the money <laughs> out of the Soviet Union as it was sort of, as they were planning for its fall and for its reforming, um, uh, there, was a, there was a task of the head of the KGB's foreign intelligence um, uh, division to Robert Maxwell specifically, I want you to help get money into Western financial institutions and into Wall Street. Hmm. Pretty um, fascinating. And, and infect and infect our system, infect democracy, infect the West with money, infect capitalism itself with our with our money. And if we can learn the machinery of it and have a have a grip on the machinery of it, then we can also bring about its downfall. This was the this was the this was this is the recorded conversation, not recorded as in tape, but doc, uh, this is what the biography is is saying. So they're fighting oh, yeah. communism. And so in 1976, uh, Adnan Khashoggi has a safari, uh, safari club in Kenya. And he invites a whole bunch of world leaders from France, from uh, Saudi Arabia, Morocco, uh, and I can barely hear the, read this, it's so small, Egypt and... Ah, I guess that's all I can read. Uh, but there's, a, you know, five countries that are not the United States. Iran. 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 Yeah, interestingly Iran. enough, Iran. Uh, and they convene there, and basically they decide to join, to create this club that would be not the United States and not Israel, but still sort of be the United States and Israel's dark, dirty ops or dark ops operations in, in at least the north part of Africa, but also expanding that zone. And the reason is, you know, the Watergate did not let the CIA do anything. You couldn't have spies, you couldn't run operations, you couldn't write reports, you couldn't pay for anything. So this group of countries sort of got together and they outsourced the CIA's work. And it turns out to be a pretty big turning point because the next thing they do is they set up this thing called the, uh, well, the bank existed, the Bank of Credit uh, and Commercial International, BCCI, existed, but it became something very different. And maybe, Eric, you could take us through what happened to BCCI in, in how it became such a big feature in, uh, in American politics. 
I think LB is the expert there, but I, okay. I'd just like to point out that Saudi intelligence chief Turki bin uh, Faisal from uh, the Safari Club meeting, he was intelligence chief of Saudi up until the week before September 11th. So that name jumped right out. Hmm, that is interesting. Interesting timing. LB, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, BCCI? Well, I, sure. I mean, I, I, we could talk forever about BCCI. <laughs> Um, but it was it was essentially a, a bank that got, and there were a couple. It wasn't just BCCI. Um, there were several. Um, Walk and Hood is another. Uh, but this was uh, everything associated with him. This this bank was how uh, exactly what you said. Money for the dirty ops connected specifically into Iran Contra as well um, got cleaned. Got got hidden. Right. If you're if you're running a, a thing in the underworld, whether you're a mobsters or you're spies, right? If you're if, or you're, you know, foreign intelligence services, we can be all formal with it, or we can be for the audience with these sort of big global terms, so they can just grasp it. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want that money to be seen. You're now outside of if you're intelligence, if you're CIA, you are outside of as as you guys have pointed out. Um, uh, any kind of official oversight because you can't they, they had eyes on everything now in congressional oversight and and they weren't allowed to do anything but th this we could do this we could have our money here because these these ops like Iran Contra these are expensive endeavors mm. that you have <laughs> you have you need planes you have arms you need to move those arms from one place to another they even had human beings they had to move around um and train because they were doing this war right in 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 uh in nicaragua like and then there was the, the stuff going it was all originated around the stuff going down in iran and iraq which everybody felt like they were going to benefit if those two countries were just warring with one another so how can we keep that going so that kind of operation requires a bank it requires it requires money, um, and the money that you can get from arms deals and from nation states, right? You don't. You, it's got to somehow pass around, get around congressional oversight for an intelligence operation, which that was, which Iran Contra was, um, and so lo and behold, here's this bank, right? Here's BCCI. We could push a bunch of stuff through this, right? And that'll sort of be this cover bank. Right. Um, Became one of the and, dirtiest and banks in the world, and one of the dirtiest banks in the world, and ended up being um, a, a big investigation when this sort of all came out because it it was money coming from arms deals, and it was you know they were they were laundering, they were what do we look at Deutsche Bank today with organized crime. They were that before Deutsche Bank was that, right? Mm. This was this was the big bank, and Maxwell was also hooked into this bank. Um, it, it was. Kind of, kind of eventually played a role in taking him down as well um, once it started becoming something that was investigated. I would have investigated and all that. Sorry, Does that ahead. make sense? Yeah. I don't want to get into minutiae, but just big picture, that's what that was. Yeah. Was someone about to jump in? Let's go. Uh, I, I was, uh, you know, because when you read like the FBI 302 summaries of uh, the Robert Mueller investigation and you're going over these old names of, uh, you know, there's Henry Kissinger. Oh, there, you know, there's Dimitri Simas. They were in the Nixon administration. And you look at this timeline and you go, 
wow, there was all these scandals, the biggest scandal possible, taking a president out of the United States, and everything Gate has been synonymous with a big deal that might take down an administration ever since. Um, but that this hobbled American intelligence and counterintelligence and brought uh, scrutiny on it that is not in any other countries for the most part. Um, boy, that period of time is very interesting, especially since the same names are popping up right now. It is. It's You can sort of draw a direct line from what happened in the 70s to where we are today. Because the same countries that we farmed out our intelligence to seems to be the one that have uh, been supporting uh, our leader, our president right now. Support Narrative's independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative and check out our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to subscribe and download. <laughs>